Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Let it rain! You remember the class where I taught you all how to make it rain? Make it rain. Dollar, dollar bills, y'all. All right, here we go on a Monday now. It is the 13th of January. 2020 is the year, and we are down to four, then two, then a champion. And we're down to two tonight, and then there'll be one tomorrow, and that, too, will be a champion. So a lot is uh, is coming to a head here in the uh, in the football universe where – the final eight. Now we've got final four coming up. And of course, it seems like forever ago. But yeah, college football still going on here. We still haven't figured out who that champion is going to be. But we are treated to yet another high quality game tonight between Clemson and LSU. And that could prove to be the best game of the weekend yet. And that is saying a lot because uh, this weekend was filled uh, with a lot of laughing, a lot of crying, a lot of uh, people burning things, throwing things, a lot of people celebrating. Just depends on what side you are on. Uh, but certainly on Saturday, it was the sports books that were celebrating the minute the Tennessee Titans ended up taking down the number one seed Baltimore Ravens uh, yesterday. And we had talked about it uh, on Friday. As in fact, all week we said the the numbers bear out where we're going to have. One outright upset. They're going to be one. The question was, which game was it going to be? Well, heading into yesterday's game, we knew it was the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee Titans were your upset. So that would, in theory, go to show you that, well, the two home teams should be able to win this game, right? Uh, both of these, if uh, if everything held true, well, it held true. But there is a reason why some guys just make bets and never watch games. And that is exactly what you had there in both those situations yesterday as Kansas City advances, Green Bay advances, and ultimately, and I got to tell you, Dan, I'm watching that Seattle game last night, and it kind of hit me there at the end of the game watching Aaron Rodgers close the game out by throwing just, you know, postage stamp type of passes yeah. uh, to Devontae Adams and to uh, Jimmy Graham in order to end the game and never give Russell Wilson a chance to come back and do, uh, you know, the unthinkable about coming back. Uh, you're watching Mahomes, you're watching Deshaun Watson, watching Lamar, mm-hmm. you know, all weekend long, you're watching this, this next wave of, you know, these quarterbacks and the next wave in the NFL of superstars. And then, then there's Aaron last night uh, who – you know, listen, Devontae Adams, great game. We kind of knew it would, but when it mattered the most, and the problem with Green Bay all year, and we've talked about it here, it's what drove me crazy, is they only play one half of football, usually the first half, and then they go brain dead in the second half, and they're nowhere to be found. We've seen it time and time again this year, and sure enough, a 21-3 lead turns into a nail-biter, and we need Aaron Rodgers to save us in the end. But he did. And, you know, he did it in such Aaron Rodgers fashion that 
he's the end of the old guard. I mean, he really is. I mean, this good. He's 36 years old. He hasn't made it to the playoffs uh, to this point. He hadn't made the playoffs in the last three years. He's one game away from going to the Super Bowl here in Miami, which could very well be. It could be the last time we see him, given what that youth that is coming on. So it, it kind of hit me last night. I'm going, you, this. we know Brady's done. This could be the end of a uh, of a very long and prosperous era here with Aaron Rodgers. That whole era could go depending on what happens with Aaron Rodgers. I kind of kind of makes me want to root for him here a little bit and say, you know what? It'd be good to see, you know, 36, 37. He ain't getting any younger and it gets harder and harder. But Aaron Rodgers uh, represents the last of the uh, Mohegans here uh, as the youth gets ready to take over the NFL. Morning, Joe. Good morning, degenerates here on Make It Rain. Let's cock-a-doodle do it with the four teams left remaining. It's very interesting that you say that, Joe, because there was one throw he made yesterday. I think it was to Jimmy Graham where he was under some pressure. He kind of went opposite his body, and it was such just a flick of the wrist, right, mm. into, like, double coverage. And it looked amazing. I'm watching a game with my fiancé, and I was like, it was funny. We said that the way he made that throw reminded us of Patrick Mahomes, right? Mm. I was like, it's Mahomes-ish, you know? And then we started saying kind of similar to what you were just saying, Joe. The only thing I would say differently, you're calling Mahomes like the end of the old guard. I was almost calling him the start of the new guard because it was Aaron Rodgers, in my opinion, who was kind of the first one that had such pocket mobility ability to extend plays make plays off schedule off script and that is what at least i and i know we are lauding people like deshaun watson patrick mahomes even russell wilson right who we also saw this weekend and i think that has been the big difference in the new era of quarterback play their ability to kind of stay clean avoid, you know, rushers in the pocket and still make the throws. And I thought Aaron Rodgers kind of really started that at, at, at a true MVP level. So, yes, his age is kind of like the old guard, but in kind of his style of play, it reminds me of the new guard. But wherever you put him, you are right. This is a Hall of Famer that is on a run. And if you think about it, all season long, Aaron Rodgers had kind of a quiet, uh, aloof confidence right some people think that that's just his persona and he's kind of arrogant like that but he kind of had this and he thought it was because he had a defense they played for about a half as well and they're gonna see if they can do that out west in the bay next week but for Aaron Rodgers yeah he does have that and I wonder if he's the beginning of the new era or the end of the old era well don't forget, I think you're you're shortchanging Steve Young and what he brought to the game way sure. before Aaron Rodgers There's was even in them. the game. There's plenty of yeah, them. It, it wasn't Aaron Rodgers who created the mobile quarterback who can throw it on a dime. It, it, I'm not it saying that. I'm saying that the way the NFL him. has evolved and yeah. adjusted to honoring that game plan right. for that, they were kind of lighthouses before. Now it's mainstream, Joe. Yeah, well, no, it's really not because you have Ryan Tannehill now in a divisional championship game who, let's face it here, anybody have Ryan Tannehill uh, starting in a champion one game away from coming to Miami of all places, <laughs> which in so many levels would be so great. The st having Ryan Tannehill show up in Miami to for the Super Bowl would just be hilarious on so many different levels. But 
Uh, any which way you cut it, the, <laughs> the I'm telling you, man, they, their heads would explode down here if that was the case. But got one more game to go. Uh, the truth is, if you don't have the kind of experience or the kind of ability of Aaron Rodgers in that game last night to seal it away, then you got to rely on a defense that wasn't able to stop Russell Wilson in the end. So Aaron rose to the occasion and said, the hell with this. Now he's got a pretty big mountain to climb. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. As uh, the NFL is chipping away at uh, figuring out who the two very best uh, teams are, one from the AFC, one from the NFC, and whoever it is, they'll meet here in a couple of weeks in uh, Miami to get themselves uh, one final game and a championship. And it's uh, it's a very intriguing matchup on both sides. Uh, we have not seen a number six seed take out a number one seed in that spot to make it to this point. Since 2010, where it happened not once, it happened twice. The Jets did it, and the Green Bay Packers actually did it in 2010. So, interesting enough, Tennessee now has an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, well, the the Jets didn't win. But, uh, yeah, and it's uh, a very interesting opportunity here for the Tennessee Titans to do uh, the unthinkable. And that is uh, be a number six seed. Uh, We haven't seen it in a long, long time. Uh, to be able to come in and uh, and and shock the world and and represent the AFC in the title game, and they're doing it. And this is what amazes me about this run here for Tennessee, and not just Tennessee, actually. But, you know, we 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 get so enamored with all of this new look and the oh, you know, it's this new wave. It's Lamar. It's you know, it's Patrick. It's Deshaun. It's all these new guys. Another the way they run and mob. And yet the reality of it is that the NFL averaged 41% of the calls this year on offense were running plays this year on hold. The entire NFL, 41%. This past weekend, the four teams that won ran 58% of the time. That's not new football, guys. That's old-ass football. That is the kind of football that has been around since the beginning of time and ultimately is what you need to have in order to win championships. So I find it fascinating that we we devalue the running back spot and that that whole aspect of the game because we fall in love with the flash and the oh look at how, you know, look at how great they are, look at how athletic they are. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but the reality is all four winners spent a lot of time on the ground here advancing and that's going to continue. Uh, that is absolutely going to continue because when you get to January, 
Yeah. Uh, new doesn't necessarily work. Uh, old works. And you can tell that there is no reason for Tennessee to be in this game. Um, and when you look at what San Francisco did, uh, when you look, they were 69 to 31 run pass in that game. Uh, Derek Henry, what can you say about him? He continues to be a force of nature. You keep holding the amount of passes. People keep holding the amount of passes for Tannehill against him. Well, the reality is well, he didn't have to. You know, When he was required to do something, the guy ended up with three touchdowns in the game, mm-hmm. but there was no need for him to drop back and throw it 40 times when you have that. So running is the great equalizer. And that's going to be on full display when you have a Patrick Mahomes and a high-octane, high-offensive passing game going up against old-school football. To this point, teams have realized you can't run in January. You ain't going anywhere. And uh, it's funny. San Francisco and Tennessee, they really do represent that. And even Green Bay, to a certain extent, with Aaron Jones, understands we don't run, we don't win. So I find it fascinating that we still look at the running back position or at least NFL owners do like, eh, eh, well, you know, we'll get one when we get one. We got one. You know, it's no big deal. We'll replace them. I, I find it interesting, Dane, because without running, uh, none of these yeah. teams are probably at this point right now. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more, Joe. And, and let's go back to a year from now, a year ago, excuse me, when we said this about the New England Patriots and their run, right? All of a sudden, Sony Michelle was a huge part of their offense, scoring touchdowns, running for 100 yards when we hit the playoffs. We say the same thing in the NBA, the Golden State Warriors style. All of a sudden, it becomes a half-court game. In Major League Baseball, it's like, oh, the home runs are so exciting and sexy. Then all of a sudden, it becomes about stringing rallies together and pitching when it comes to the playoffs, right? And here we are in the NFL, and it's run games and defenses. Yesterday Mm. morning on PFT, you know, I think Blewett, we were talking about this exact thing, and I really like the way Mike Blewett framed it because there is still conventioning wisdom that the running back itself doesn't deserve this kind of high-end contract, right? We've seen it all over the last few years, everybody from Zeke to Melvin Gordon to Le'Veon Bell. But it's not only the individual running back, it's the running game, right? Mm. And for San Francisco, there's three dudes that do it, right? So it doesn't necessarily have to be one guy. And we're seeing more and more teams have a committee of guys that play different roles. And one of the things I've been saying for the last month or two, Joe, is the idea of teams need balance. They need to be able to do it both. Now, Ryan Tannehill may have only had like, what, eight completions or something like that, but it didn't matter. It's the kind of threat of it, that the defense has to respect it to the point where the Patriots a week ago didn't even want to take their guys, their safeties out of the back because they were still worried about the play action game. It's Mm. having that that opens up play action, having, you know, a wide receiver out there that you have to double. That means you can do other things. That's the way football is played. But the first thing, kind of the leading in uh, kind of, Thing here has to be the run game. You have to be successful with that so you can work off it, so defenses adjust. And we are seeing that in the playoffs again. You need that run game. You need that balance. Uh, Dalvin Cook didn't do it on Saturday, right? And the 49ers roll. Against the Saints, Dalvin Cook and Madison run for 30 times. They're able to kind of control the flow. You need the running game, and a lot of the teams that are still playing have that balance. Yep. 
Yeah, and uh, and defense too. I mean, the, the old adage that defense wins championships. Yeah. It's the there is no better running team in the NFL, guys, than the Baltimore Ravens. And look at what happened to them. If that Tennessee defense doesn't have isn't athletic enough or doesn't, I mean, scheme is certainly helps, but you've got to have the guys in a position to be able to. Uh, to stop that. And once, uh, you know, the reason Baltimore didn't advance is because once you took away what they do well, they didn't have anything else. They didn't have the ability uh, to go ahead and make some adjustments necessarily on the fly that would have geared it up. So uh, Tennessee's defense, they knew exactly what was coming every time. And then all of a sudden, when you you got to drop back 59 times in a game. Uh, you you've probably already lost, uh, and and that's the reality of it. Because in the NFL, when you give defenses a chance to pin their ears back and go and get you, it's it's over. Which I think is going to be very interesting. We've seen this 49ers Aaron Rodgers game already, guys. Back in right. back in week 12, we saw this game, yeah, and try. in in the same spot, uh, by the way, in the same stadium. And what we noticed there was, you know, there was no threat of a running game. And the minute Aaron Rodgers became one-dimensional, as great as he is, uh, that defense pinned its ears back. And, yeah, that's a problem for Green Bay. Now, I don't know necessarily what they're going to do to adjust to that uh, because San Francisco somehow got a little healthier there on defense. So uh, I can say this, LaFleur and Aaron, they're going to have their hands full because they they can't go in with that same mindset. They have to almost they have to make it a priority. Dane. They've got to have Aaron Jones run the ball. Yeah. If they don't, um, it, it ain't going to work for Green Bay. It's just not. Well, I agree with you. Here's the other option, though. OK, because one of the things you said, like, I don't care how good you are. You'd be Aaron Rodgers. Like we saw that with Russell Wilson, to be quite honest, mm-hmm. over the last you know, a few years, and he's amazing. You know, he was my almost MVP candidate. It'll happen to anyone. Here's the thing they can do, Joe. They can try and do the same damn thing to Jimmy Garoppolo, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's the way I think they do it, okay? I think, and remember, we know this, Packers defense better against the pass than the run. They got to sell out to stop that incredibly schemed, three-headed monster running game. Because another thing I saw on Saturday was if this is on the arm of Jimmy Garoppolo, oh, no. Packers got a chance. Because I don't yeah. even think the 49ers want it nope. on the arm of Jimmy yep. Garoppolo. Yeah. No, I can't trust him. I, I I don't think he's not that – do I – of the, the of the quarterbacks defense. left, I'm are you going to trust Jimmy box. Garoppolo in that spot to end a game or to win a game? I, I don't know that he's there. I don't That's trust right. him. I the don't trust him. It. We don't yeah. know about Jimmy G. No, no. The lines are out. We'll give you the latest numbers for these games. We'll do that coming up next here on The Grid, sportsgrid.com. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount.
So we want to invite you guys, of course, to follow us uh, on, uh, pretty simple, on YouTube, Sports Grid Network. That's the name of the channel. Make sure that you subscribe. Hit that bell in the upper right-hand corner. Get all the fantasy and sports wagering advice you need all the time at the Sports Grid Network on YouTube. Make sure you also tell us on Instagram at Sports Grid TV. And, uh, of course, National Championship game here tonight would be a great time for you to get in the game. Get yourself a DraftKings Sportsbook account because if you are listening, watching right now, you can get yourself a deposit bonus of up to 500 bucks. Here's how it works. All you got to do is create a DraftKings Sportsbook account. Make yourself that deposit. Then go ahead, place your first bet, DraftKings. They'll match it with a 50% bonus of up to 500 bucks. Now, the offer is eligible for all users and new users. You guys get a risk-free bet of up to 200 bucks. You just got to go to sportsgrid.com forward slash DK to play. That's sportsgrid.com forward slash DK. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. It is 21 and over, New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. Check out the website for details. And as we take a look here now at this uh, these conference championship, uh, the schedule and what we've got for uh, some lines, it was interesting when the Chiefs ended up winning earlier. We knew the Titans were already in, so... Uh, they had some look-ahead lines as uh, as far as uh, if the Chiefs had won or if Houston had won. And, uh, you know, it looked as if, though, either way didn't make a difference. The Titans were going to be the underdog. And sure enough, uh, opened up at around seven, but that was pushed up to seven and a half rather quickly. Uh, the total opened up at 50 and a half. And that continues to be pushed up to uh, right around 52. And I think that, of course, uh, will also continue to rise before it is all said and done. Uh, so you've got the Chiefs at Arrowhead, uh, more than a touchdown favorite. Total is 72. And in the NFC, the 49ers kind of hovering right around the same thing. Opened up as a seven-point favorite. There are some seven and a halves. The total, though, much less than what you got in Kansas City. 45 and a half seems to be hovering around pretty much what I thought uh, it was going to be that seven number seems to be uh, right around what a lot of people thought this was going sure. to be. And given, you know, the home teams here and the advantages, uh, listen, the 49ers have seen this Packer team before Packers have seen the 49ers. So there is, I think, with the total there being lower than what the Kansas City game is, because I do think Kansas City has the opportunity. We know that that the game could get out of hand. Uh, we we watched that. Uh, with Houston. So I don't know that we have that uh, ability in the Packers 49ers. So, uh, you know, initial thought right off the bat is that if you do like Green Bay, uh, given the total, there is uh, there is some value if you can get more than a, you know, a touchdown or greater in this game for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, I mean, I guess the question is, will they be able for me? It's will San Francisco be able to enforce their will on the ground? Joe, mm. you know, um, we've talked about this Green Bay defense before, and I've said that I do think they're evolving. I do think they're getting better. Um, we've talked about the Smith guys, Preston and Zazarius, who each had two sacks yesterday. But the entire season, it has been conventional wisdom that you can run on Green Bay and throwing on Green Bay is more of a challenge. Well, what does San Francisco come very equipped to do? punch you in the mouth, run the ball with an mm -hmm. offensive line with check as a lead blocker and a Kyle Shanahan creative scheme where you don't know where it's coming from. And to your point, Joe, about Tennessee, about January football, right, and about 
maybe the lack of trust in Jimmy G, I think, um, ironically, of the four quarterbacks still playing, it is Garoppolo that is the least confidence, right? Not even Ryan Tannehill. Um, I think San Francisco is going to try to punch Green Bay in the mouth. The question is, how successful will it be? If they are successful, then the narrative and the flow is just like we were talking about, right? January football, old school football, and I think it'll be very hard for Green Bay to kind of deal with that. If Green Bay can stop them, then we've got a game. That's the way I see it, at least initially, Joe. It all comes down to the San Fran running game. I think it's interesting, too, because the um, the history of Matt LaFleur, who's done a really great job. Uh, I mean, he's no Mike McCarthy, uh, but mm. he uh, he's done a really good job this year uh, managing Aaron Rodgers and, and you know, pre- getting pretty much the same team that McCarthy had. Only he's got he's one win away from making it to the Super yeah. Bowl. Uh, but the reality is, guys, there is nobody that could be playing in this game that knows who Kyle Shanahan is or how he operates better than LaFleur since he was not only uh, when he was the offensive coordinator with Texas, uh, he was also with the Redskins, don't forget, and then the Falcons. LaFleur was with him along all those stops, guys, as an offensive quality coach, then a quarterback's coach. So he has been with Shanahan for years, he knows him better than any other coach in this spot, which is it's interesting because I think we're going to get to see finally when uh, when obviously coaching matters at this point. Can he utilize that knowledge into creating a game plan and giving his team, putting him in a position uh, to be successful? Because nobody nobody knows Shanahan better than LaFleur does because he's worked right under him for the last six years, which is crazy to think, but yeah, he's got, uh, he's got some knowledge. Not a lot of other guys do. Now the question is, can he turn that knowledge into an edge for his team? We'll find out. But I, I do like that as, as something to keep in mind here, because I don't know, do we really know what kind of coach LaFleur is at this point? A lot of people seem to think he was just lucky all year that they, you know, they're mediocre and, and things went their way. Well, we're about to find out. Can he utilize that knowledge to give his team an edge, Dane? I think it's going to be fascinating to see what he comes up with. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I'd love to be mediocre in the in the damn conference championship. I'll right? tell you that, Joe. Yeah. You know what yep. I mean? So call yep. me mediocre all you want yep. if I'm if I'm keep on making it to the final four, because guess what? That's job security, brother man. Right. So Absolutely. I'll be mediocre. You know, and it's interesting you mentioned that we've seen this in the playoffs, right? Vrabel and mm-hmm. Belichick. We saw it. Didn't we see it? Wasn't Bill O'Brien under Andy Reid at one point? You know, I think we've seen these things before. So it is interesting. Do they apply it or does the kind of does the teacher know that also and have some tricks up their sleeve that they whip out? Right. You could obviously paint it either way. Right. Here's what I want to ask you, Joe. In Miami. You know, with like, oh, Kenyon Drake, Devontae Parker, it it seems to work well. It was Gaze, right? We're like, oh, Mm -hmm. Gaze was the problem. Yeah, well, the Packers are in the NFC Championship, Joe. So, like, was McCarthy the issue now? In the same way we're like, oh, we now realize maybe Gaze was the issue because these guys can perform. Was like, you know, what was, uh, was Aaron Rodgers right? 
It's not a good look, is it? It, it really is. I'm just saying, like, you know, we always do this reflective. <laughs> we do this reflectively on some of them. Yeah. Like, once they walk away, we're going to do it again. Like, was oh. it Belichick or was it Brady? That sort of thing. And if we want to pin the blame on gays now that these other guys are in other places right. or Miami, don't we have to do the same thing? Because we all knew there was some tension there between Rodgers and McCarthy. Rodgers yeah. wound up winning, and here they are in the NFC Championship game. What does this say to you about McCarthy? It's interesting because they are not in this spot right now because Aaron Rodgers has carried this team this year. It's just that's not been the case. He's 36 Fair. years old. He's a little bit slower. He's not yeah. the same Aaron Rodgers that he, he was. He turned the ball over all year, though. They went out of their way in the offseason to improve that defense, which has always been the Mike McCarthy. Yep. He, it's always been the problem for that team. So, yep. you know, to g- give Mike McCarthy the benefit of the doubt here is, you know, he didn't have Preston. So he didn't have these guys that okay. they went out and got defensively in order to be able to prove what was the biggest yep. problem of that team was always defensively. So if you want to blame anybody, I don't know that it's necessarily fair to blame Mike McCarthy for taking because this really isn't this isn't the same certainly defense that Mike McCarthy had last year so I don't think it's fair to compare apples to apples and be like oh it was the same team well yeah I mean he had Aaron Rodgers and you know he had pieces but at the same time that's a completely revamped defense which I think it's safe to say is really a big reason as to why they're even in this game come Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And Joe, you know this. I've been sort of saying this ever since week one against the Chicago Bears when we talked about Mike Pettin, right, Mm -hmm. as the defensive coordinator, Aaron Rodgers, after week one at the podium was like, hey, we got a defense now, right? And so how many times have I said the name Preston Zadarius Smith? How many times have I said Adrian Amos and Jair Alexander and that sort of stuff? So I'm with you. The question then, if that's the rationale, then does it matter if LaFleur knows about Shanahan? If really the defense is what you think is kind of like the 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 improvement of the Green Bay Packers? If it was always like, hey, they always had an offense, but now they got the other side of the ball, and that's right. what's getting them to the promised land, then we'll see what happens. Yeah, well, on even even more so because if he's yeah. not in his ear of this defensive coordinator saying, here's what I know about Shanahan and how right, that right, offense right. operates. Because obviously that's your so it better I can tell you that mm-hmm. it, it better because the only shot you have of beating San Francisco is that you need to be one step ahead of the game like you need to know what Shanahan's next move and what better than the guy's quarterback coach and his quality assistant but like he knows it better than anybody yeah. so you better be giving your defensive coordinator the heads up and those defensive players of what to look for otherwise all those. <laughs> What the hell good is all of that knowledge of working with a guy if you can't help bring something to the table? Yeah, I hear you. My only, I, I'm worried, though, Joe, because you mentioned it right, chess match, right? Because the Shanahan thing is such a scheme kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm worried that someone like LaFleur or anybody thinks they have a beat on it. But that's exactly what Shanahan wants you to think, right? Because then what does he do? He uses the same kind of play looks, right? And then there's a tendency breaks or the the damn jet sweep looks the same exact thing. And then there's something off of that. Thinking, I would, you know I would it, be careful before we, anoint, uh, before we anoint Shanahan, uh, the next Bill Belichick. I would, I would say let's slow the roll since he's one of the least profitable coaches to back against the number in any sport. So... 
Um, while it's been good, let us not forget, this is the first year it's been good. Uh, he has not, and this team has not been good in the past. So let's see what happens. He's no... Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That, um, that we hadn't talked about, but it uh, it definitely, you know, given what we know now, it's certainly something I think teams are going to continue to look at moving forward uh, towards the end of the season because we watched we watched a Baltimore Ravens team rattle off twelve consecutive wins, right? We just absolutely dominant in fashion. We then watched them rest all their starters in Week Seventeen. We watched them take 19 days off for the most part between games. And then they come out and they look like total hot garbage on offense. No rhythm, no nothing, no anything. Now, we have seen it in the past, guys, because we've watched. I do believe, uh, you know, Indianapolis did this uh, back in the day. The the Packers did it back in the early, uh, I think, 2010 or 11, somewhere around that. Um, yeah, you, you've, it, it needs to, and I'm sure somebody's going to break down the numbers to figure this all out when it's all said and done, but I do not think that it's, I, I don't know that it's a fluke here, guys, that when you are, especially in offense regarding an RPO, which rhythm is so darn important, uh, and make sure the timing is down to go 19 days without playing. I don't know that it should be a shock that, they did not look like uh, they looked like a team that hadn't played in three weeks. I mean, that's basically what they look at. Like. Mistakes, uh, just stu- shooting themselves in the foot. Oh, they weren't nearly as crisp as what we have seen them. I'm not saying that's the excuse. I'm just saying I think coaches need to do a better job of looking at the ramifications going, you know, two and a half weeks without playing your starters. It's. You know, no stone unturned. Somebody better crunch the numbers there because it looked like a team that hadn't played in three weeks. They sure did. Uh, They were sloppy. And, I mean, you could even, you know, it's like how much do you attribute to that, Joe, right? And on some level, it's a hindsight is 2020 kind of thing. You know, like there's a reason why everything. I mean, the Chiefs didn't play. They had a bye. They looked sloppy in the first quarter also. Right, but then they came back and they didn't rest in week seventeen. No, the Chiefs so, played their final yeah, game in week seventeen. They didn't rest week seventeen. No, I said Baltimore I, I understand did. that. So I understand that's... that. I understand. So the question is, you know, on the continuum of haven't played in one week, haven't played in two weeks, and how much how many injuries do you have? You know, there were some people that were rested for the Ravens, Mark Ingram, Mark Andrews, Marcel Yanda, who had legitimate injuries that they were nursing, right? So I I don't disagree with you, Joe. It is interesting, and someone should crunch the numbers. I just wonder if that's kind of a hindsight is 2020 kind of look at it, you know, because we could – it's one of those things where you could say it either way, you know. Was it – when you rest players in preseason, right, and then a team – 
comes out on fire, you're like, oh, it was good. But if a guy gets injured, then why the hell were they playing? You know, it's it's we all were yeah, talking you, about, you oh, my God, compare, you can't risk Lamar. You, you can't compare January football to anything else. You, you only look at January and what we have seen in the past from week 17 starters playing an entire season going 19 days without playing a game, there's enough data now, we've seen it enough times, where teams that were so dominant during the season, like that Green Bay team uh, back in 2010 or 11, like the Indy team where, you know, they're big favorites and all of a sudden they go out there and they look like they haven't played and like, what the hell is this? There's got to be enough data available now that, you know, somebody in the analytics department should be able to look and say, listen, we should be able to sit these guys, but we probably shouldn't sit these guys. I get running the risk of injury, but man, 19 days off seems like a long time. And it looked like they hadn't played in 19 days. No, they absolutely, they absolutely did, right? But it's interesting when you have access to the way they look on the back end to say that, you know, and right. Well, that's all you ever have. Of- How else are you supposed to get better if you don't? <laughs> Nobody's going to predict right. it. You've got to be able to look at what went wrong and say, if we would have played 17 and kept the momentum going, might it have made a difference? You have to be able to do that. So all you have. Yes. Is post. And then you also have to look then, if you're going to look at that data, then you mm. also have to look at how many times someone did get banged up in that week 17, right? You know, to see the full picture of it, because that Absolutely. would be the other side of it, yep. right? Playing you them have to and be able to crunch that data and, and figure yeah. out if it makes a difference. That's part of the same data. That's all right. part of the same data, right? So you're right. There's the, uh, the damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? So if you, if you, if you rest them and look flat, that's the damned if you do. Right. If you play them and they get banged up, that's the damned if you don't, right? So right. all I'm saying is when you crunch the numbers, Joe, you have to crunch them from both sides to yeah. see what the impact and if on balance. And at this point, until you, like you say, actually run those numbers, it feels to me more like a hindsight damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing until they run the numbers on it. Well, I mean, you, you tell me. They, uh, let's see here. You had... The Saints didn't play week 17. Um, they get bounced. You have a Tennessee Titans a team card that team, has Joe. been uh, – no, I mean, uh, you have a Tennessee Titans team that has been playing since week 15, really, in a playoff type of atmosphere, yeah. and they have just been continuing uh, to roll. I, I think Houston coming out, too, catching Kansas City a little bit flat there in the first. Again, got to shake that rust. I, there's There's got to be – there's got to be a medium between it. And I'm not saying you sit everybody or, or you play everybody, right. but I think there are probably some teams and some guys that would probably be better suited. You know what? Keep it rolling, man, especially especially if you're going to be a one or a two seed because you know you're going to have that extra layoff. You know that already. So mm-hmm. how do you go about doing how do you how do you manage it really is the is the big question and who do you play and who you don't? Right. And it's a slippery slope, right? Because when you talk about resting starters, you know, people think about skill position players. What about linemen? You know, yeah. what about yeah. your weak yep. side linebacker, right? It was, yep. was that the guy that then had rust, you know? So we talk about it in terms of just skill position, but it's so much more than just that, right, Joe? Because yeah. your right guard could either risk injury or have rust also. 
You know what he's I mean? He's a big so, part of it too. Yeah, he's absolutely. a big part of timing as well. So yeah, it's you can't rest. You can't yeah. rest twenty-two starters. You just can't right. on a fifty-three-man roster. You know nope. what I mean? Nope. So and I remember Joe when we were going into week sixteen and seventeen, we all said that Lamar Jackson is so precious and the risk of injuries there. Remember in week sixteen, I think it was he got a little bit banged up, didn't he? Yep. Didn't he get hit hard? You know, so we were going into week seventeen being like, uh oh, you can't risk that. And now right. we see it was a little flat. So it's kind of a two side of the coin. I, I would like to see the full data on it. I know the Colts got, you know, kind of uh, kind of uh, caught doing that as well in the last mm -hmm. decade. But I really do feel like it's a damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah, it's a um, I think it, it might be a team by team thing. Yeah. But yeah, it's and there's injuries, right? Like you weren't going to play yeah. Mark Ingram, Mark Andrews. Right. These guys. It's not a matter of the guys that couldn't play anyway. Right. It's a matter of could is there benefits in saying, hey, you know what? We know we're going to have that extra week off. Is there maybe maybe we go? And that's why I love what Buffalo did, too. Uh, in the thing, Buffalo played it, started, started the I game, kept the them in that routine. Um, and I'm not saying they got to play the full game, but I don't think you can replicate. And everyone says, oh, that's what practice is for. I, I'm not sure you can replicate, you know what I mean? Playoff atmosphere in, you know, with a, with 19 days off in practice. I just, I don't think you can replicate trying to tackle Derrick Henry in, in, you know, 19 days of, of practice. So I'll be interested to see how, especially Harbaugh, cause you know him, he's going to go back now that it's happened to him and, I'm going to be very interested next year if he's in this spot going, how many guys are sitting now in week 17, John? How many are you going yeah. to sit? I'm curious to see how that works out because, let's face it, there's uh, it's not the first time it's happened. You got a 22-year-old quarterback, that, and I think he'll be better with time because experience is everything. Um, but the truth is there's a lot more to work on, I think, in the offseason with the Baltimore Ravens than some people think because – They've got to come up with another side. What yep. they they got to have a plan B there, and I I just don't think they have it right now, Dane. Yeah, we talk about I talk about balance all the time. We talk about Belichick makes you play left-handed. We mm. talk about they had nothing to go to when they got punched in the mouth, right? right. So they have to develop. Well, well, on yesterday morning, Joe, you said like you used the analogy of having a pitcher having a second pitch, right? Yep. And on one level, listen. Mariano Rivera got to the Hall of Fame with one pitch. They could have an amazing first pitch, right? And That's they correct. do. Okay? Right. They broke NFL records. And they do. Okay? Yep. But when you get down 14 nothing, where do you go? <laughs> yeah, when the Tennessee exactly. – and here's the thing. Honestly, yep. Joe, it doesn't sound as amazing or as sexy or as crazy or as cool. But if the Tennessee Titans get down 14 nothing, mm -hmm. I know what they can do. Yeah. They can still throw the ball. They can still play action. They can go to A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, yep. John O. Smith. They can do it either way. The San Francisco 49ers, if their vaunted running game is stopped, then cue Manny Sanders, George Kittle, Kendrick Bourne, and the rest, right? But mm -hmm. if Baltimore has one taken away or is playing left-handed, then Lamar Jackson is forced to beat you with his arm. And mm -hmm. he made strides in that area this year. But without the play action, without the linebackers having to respect that, you don't have people running wide open free anymore. Correct. You have people covered. You have to go outside the numbers. And that's still where Lamar is developing. Yep. Yeah, I um, there are some things to work on there in uh, in Baltimore. And it's it really is. It, 
It's going to center around him and that offense. And I think the fact that uh, the offensive coordinator being able to stay there, not getting a job, well, um, they're going to work on because you've got to see another wrinkle to that offense uh, next year. If they're because right. otherwise, uh, we already know what can beat you now. Two years in a row. Right. Yeah, there's we, a we know what we know what your kryptonite is, and it doesn't really make a difference if you look great in week twelve. Uh, the question is, what do you look in January? Because it, it should be a good reminder to all of us. January is a different animal. I mean, it, it is a totally different animal. Running the ball is great, but if a team can stop you without overcommitting, what are you, what are you going to do next? You know, and I think that's the Kansas City problem now is that, listen, you, you're a rush defense that's given up almost five yards of carry this year. It has not been a great forte of yours. Um, the guy in the middle, uh, Jones, who may or may not be available, is going to be huge. Right. They are, are going to have to decide that balance of can do we overcommit here? Do we do we think we can stop Derrick Henry? Because if you can't, that is we've already seen him go into two different places on the road and take him down. So uh, he is like just an equalizer. No, it was coming. <laughs> yeah, it, um, and you know, and then the question is, if you do overcommit. You know, you've got those uh, you've got some targets there that are just uh, Tannehill has shown. Listen, he didn't have to throw the ball 30 times, but when he did, he threw two damn touchdown passes on the money. So what, you know, now it's a very unique challenge. And while it's nice seeing 51 points put up yesterday and oh, my God, they're unstoppable. Well, um, there was nobody more unstoppable than what Baltimore was. And you know what? They didn't have an answer. It changed the whole complexion of the game. So. It's a very unique challenge, more so, I think, than the San Francisco game. I think the the Kansas City and the Tennessee game is unique from the standpoint of what do you do here and do you trust Tannehill to step up and get it done? And do you trust that defense of Kansas City to be able to do it? Yeah, I mean, that is the question. That is the question, Joe. You talk about having a great pitch, right? I don't Mm. care if you throw it 100 miles an hour. If I'm sitting fastball and guessing – if I'm I banging hit, on the if I'm banging on I the garbage pail and you know it's coming. <laughs> am right, right, exactly. However, Joe, to keep this analogy going, if I'm guessing fastball and you start to throw change-ups, I'll Amen. look real silly. Amen, Amen brother. Yep, that's so true. Silly. Yep, yep, yep. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot of uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun here. Plus, uh, I think tonight's game is gonna be awesome as well. National championship around the corner. We'll give you the latest numbers there. We'll start to break that down, too, next year on The Grid, sportsgrid.com. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. championship game here tonight LSU 14 and 0 number one team in the country taking on another 14 and 0 team the number three team in the country that would be Clemson it's an all Tigers uh, football championship here kind of a pseudo home game and uh, they'll have the uh, Saints home field advantage there as uh, Clemson looks to win back 
to back national championships. Uh, and it is going to be, I think, a uh, an all-out war in this. You've got a quarterback in, uh, uh, in well, in many people who think Trevor Lawrence uh, could be, he would be the number one pick this year if he wanted to go out. But uh, certainly, next, <laughs> certainly next year he's going to be. But you're talking about a dude who's 25-0 and 0, is a college starter. You're talking about a program that has now won 30 games in a row. Uh, taking on uh, LSU, who has, uh, let's face it, I mean, they are one of the most dominant college football teams this year that we've seen in a long time. 14-0, 9-3-2 against the number, and they've beaten I, people, and this is maybe the most amazing thing, they've beaten teams by an average score of 49-22 to 22 this year. So uh, it is crazy. But having said that, they have not... And I know they play in the SEC, guys. But, uh, yeah, I don't care where Clemson plays. They have not faced a A, defense like this in Clemson. Uh, and the only thing that they came close to was in Auburn this year. And they only scored 24 points, 23, 24 points in that game. What about Ohio uh, State in the semi? Yeah, well, Ohio State is a totally different animal. And Ohio right. State has has the maybe some consider the best defense, obviously, in the country. And that's my other point. The other thing that they've never seen in the SEC is a passing attack like what Trevor Lawrence and company are going to bring to the table here. So it's unique from the standpoint of while LSU, yes, SEC, I get it. The SEC is not exactly known for its quarterback play outside of Joe Burrow this year. Um, This is a different animal, not to mention experience. And also, there's five and a half points out there that are still being given if you want to back Clemson in this one. The total is coming down. I think the reality, it got pushed up to 69 and a half. That total's coming back down now. 67, I'm seeing. I'm not sure it's done there yet either. We'll spend next hour breaking this one down for you. Is LSU overvalued? It's It's a lock, Joe. I got the Tigers tonight. It's a lock. Yeah, that's a good point, man. You're going to go Tigers? You know Fasano's go going Tigers. Tigers. It's a lock. Tigers yeah. on the money line. Tigers. Tigers all day. Yeah, all day. damn right.